ready to do this for one last time this season? Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody, to the House of the Dragon finale. It is done. I can't believe we're sitting here talking about the finale. So, who are you rooting for? The greens or the blacks? <laughs> Stop asking Let stupid questions. Let us know on the internet. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. <laughs> uh, we have been getting a finale-sized amount of owns tonight. And I've seen a finale-sized dragon, and I've got a finale-sized Mountain Dew Voodoo to celebrate the Halloween season in front of me. And like I said, this is our last conversation for a last new episode of House of the Dragon for a long time. There's rumors circling on the internet about how long that's going to take. We don't know. We've survived worse, though, so I feel pretty confident. I just can't believe we're sitting here at the end of season one of House of the Dragon. I so vividly remember you and me having conversations about what we're going to see in this series and where we're going to end. Where do they think they're going to cut it off at? What part are we going to get to? We've been saying Storm's End, Storm's End, Storm's End. And it was unreal to see that unfold and hit that hard. It was just unbelievable. It was my favorite sequence of the whole season. Was it really? Yeah, beginning from probably the book, definitely flying away on his dragon. And then the entire sequence of Storm's End and obviously flying away. The conflict between the dragons in the sky and the storm and breaking into the clear sky too. The way that it was shot, the way that it felt. I mean, the, the inside the the actual throne room with Boris Baratheon, mm-hmm. that was almost beat for beat exactly like it was in the book, and it felt so satisfying. I know. There was a lot of that this episode, too. A mm-hmm. lot of uh, that space that we've been talking about through the course of the season, the way that they handled the blocking of the characters. And I think that the style of these two episodes, the Alicent... Rhaenyra back-to-back episodes that need to show so much of what the, I guess the style of the way that they're doing it, showing what the day unfolds that they, after hearing the news about the king passing away. And so it just is a perfect little situation of getting to show the speed of what a book chapter would feel like, basically, um, which is something that we all love because it works. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves, the people that read A Song of Ice and Fire love it so much that it got to this point. Mm-hmm. That same patience, that same seemingly slow burn to the climax at the end i think that i was not surprised in a shocked way but just surprised i guess in an excited and glad way to see how much they slowed it down there was no rushing to get to storm's end there was no rushing to get through any conversation and i think that was so much due to rainera's vibe of let's slow this down let's figure this out Mm -hmm. let's have some conversations in contrast to Allison's vibe, which was very flustered and we need to make this happen yesterday. And so I was happily surprised to kind of have that pacing mirror their vibe, just like you were saying, like we we were reading in the book. It felt so real and it felt so... It hit all the highlights we've been loving from this whole season. These long, drawn-out looks between our characters, the tension between the different families, the inability to pick a side, even as wild as um, Aemond was in this episode. It all seemed to be one big mistake. Yeah, that's... uh, I mean, you can't really say it's different than Fire and Blood because we don't really get a... POV like that. The nuance is lost, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's the same for how uh, Rhaenyra dealt with the news all day mm-hmm. and and how the dynamic between she and Damon is balanced mm-hmm. about how to handle this usurping of the throne with mm-hmm. the infantry, with 
her feeling like there's some leftover angst of his earlier life, her and him having it basically come eye to eye whenever he holds the crown first. Mm -hmm. All that small stuff. We got the news being broken to Rhaenyra that Luke is gone, but we don't hear it. We just see her reaction, and her face says it all. Just the absolute sadness and fury and pain. I loved how it was just shown to us like that, you know, that we didn't necessarily have to be told what was happening. We could just see everything on her face. So what's the what's the sort of parting message, do you think, that Hadi is, is giving to its audience before this break? It felt like this is war, you know? That's how it felt to me. And what I wrote in all caps is, this is war. <laughs> it's just like Ollie running into John's study and going, oh my God, Benjamin Stark is back. Right. And he's got news that's going to change the course of this entire mystery. You won't believe it. John goes, well, I'll put my shoes on. Mm-hmm. It was That was the feeling of Rhaenyra at the council to all of us watching, especially those who don't didn't know what was coming when she was talking about approaching the uh, conflict peacefully and making sure that they have uh, support. And even when they have support, never being the first ones to shed blood and not just the choice of who acting first but her entire vibe that she was giving off was it was messed up but we're gonna do this in the way that the guy that wore the crown that i have right now would have Mm -hmm. and uh she's looking at the bigger picture the song of ice and fire she's trying to ward off the darkness from the north what do you think the the temperatures on people and the song of ice and fire prophecy connecting it to game of thrones and the dagger at large. It's so hard for me to say because I felt like in that moment, I didn't particularly love the way that moment played out between the two of them. It felt a little bit too heavy handed, in my opinion. There was some heavy handed. I mean, there was a lot of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both figuratively and literally. So I would be curious what people's reaction to that might be. But I felt like I agree with Rainera. In a lot of ways. We need to figure out who's actually on our side before we start throwing people to a cause that we're still trying to determine. And we need to shore ourselves up. We can't just start burning everything down. Uh, So I understand that. And I, I also understand that she feels like she has this greater duty to this greater thing. But at the same time, no one else knows about this greater duty to this greater thing. So you just look like you are indecisive. I mean, Rainey's loved it. She felt like that was the right move to put her support behind. But I felt like that conversation with Damon, I don't know. I thought him doing that to her was a little strange. I know he's supposed to be this intense character, but we haven't seen that for so long. And we've never seen that between them. And I know it's a, big situation but i just felt like what why are you doing this (laughs) you know what i mean i think he's just hearing some crazy shit being said by someone and that he cares about now is not the time for us to be talking about for a stretch there in the finale it felt like we were going to have a plan that made sense Mm -hmm. and it that's what the Benjamin coming back situation is. It's like, oh, well, he left. It was mysterious, and now he returns, and this all makes sense, and it's going to answer a lot of questions that we have yet to be answered. And as we're 
crescendoing toward the very end of the season, knowing uh, what this war council's approach is and knowing that it feels like something that I guess the modern TV audience watching would agree with. It's like, oh yeah, this feels kind of cool. The music was really hopeful. And then Storm's End happens. And after that, I mean, remember how upset we were saying that Allison was okayed for in the cave mm-hmm. after what happened with Eamon? Mm-hmm. It all felt like it was making sense. Otto handed her the page from uh, the first episode. I know. That oh, she tore that out. was so cute. had all the information memorized. That up. was so cutie. And, and annoying. Just, remember how we were talking a couple episodes ago about how, uh, you know, it, it could be an uncontrolled conflict with the kids and their dragons and that part of humanity angst and youth and um ambition for people that don't quite have their area settled yet Mm -hmm. which makes total sense and actually fits really well into this song of ice and fire universe and i think would have been a good jumping off point for season two so people that haven't read fire and blood that are just watching hot d the last thing they're seeing is rainier's face basically change like a like a work of art that uh is made in a certain way where you can look at it from different angles and it's saying a different thing and it goes from the the sadness and the surprise and just the i guess just disconnectedness of the void that comes with something that's so heavy that you really can't even show how you're feeling to i'm gonna fucking destroy them she has no choice i mean she's lost so much in this episode her dad her premature baby which that whole scene was that was wild. Yeah, Unbelievable. you were saying that uh, she was a little less busy than Allison because, I mean, for one, Allison's in King's Landing, so that the pace of her day would definitely be different. But I'm wait, wait a second. Allison also didn't have to give birth right, to a stillborn right, right, baby right. that day too. That was a painful scene. I mean, she goes into premature labor basically due to the shock and the stress of the whole situation, and then she loses Luke. And I was really surprised from. Just watching the TV, like following the narrative of the TV show, it's so surprising that she just so willingly sends her sons who are so untested and unbattled. And I know she thought that Storm's End was going to be an easy sell and that he was going to be so happy to host a prince. But after what, after Rainier was so intense to Jace and to Damon, well, in turn, Damon, don't do anything without my leave or my word. Mm-hmm. I need to be the one calling the shots. And she said to Luke, or she said to Jace, you're my next in line, so we can't do anything reckless. It just seemed like a wild decision to send her little kids with no backup and no help out into these really tumultuous situations regardless of how close you think you are no terms other than you got to do what we got to do no gifts no offerings nothing just kind of your little kid is just being sent into a storm yeah it's weird that they didn't send an offering with them it being based completely on the the oath that was sworn before not even by himself just something right like a little something so, People don't like that. They're like, oh, yeah, I owe you this. Well, it seems like power is sort of shifting around a little bit. So debts, inflation, uh, exchange rate, everything's not exactly the same. Especially when the other guy's standing in the room. So was it, well, yeah, but, <laughs> and already talking to one of your daughters. I already picked one of them. <laughs> Do you think it's they 
don't know to send a gift or it's that they don't think that they have to because moving forward that's going to be a uh i mean the starks might like that to be honest right. that kind of attitude but otherwise i think a lot of people are going to be opportunistic and if anything just don't like the vibe of that mm-hmm. you owe me this it's i think it's just hope preemptively what did corliss say something i need to find it in my notes but he makes some comment to that effect to rainier when he talks about how he said hope is the fool's ally mm-hmm you can't just expect these men who swore this oath X amount of years ago. Yeah. Hasn't been discussed, hasn't been followed up on. Mm-hmm. Just because you share blood from a couple generations ago, you can't just expect them in this time of chaos as a ladder. So let me get some of my own mm-hmm. to just willingly bend the knee. You know, mm-hmm. it almost feels like a Ned Stark type of honor. Situation yeah, or Viserys's logic too. Yeah, yeah, you know, which to Damon's point and to Corliss's point, this is a time of war, so we can't assume anything. Yeah, and Corliss had to trade a uh, time away from his family and his body to uh, garrison the Stepstones mm-hmm. and remove the Triarchy. By the way, R.I.P. to the Triarchy. It sounds like they're officially <laughs> gone forever. I kind of hope that there's a little bit of a skirmish. They come back a little bit. Uh-huh. Hot D season three, maybe. A little more Drehar. A little, well, Dre had the energy <laughs> of Drehar. You know what <laughs> like I mean? It. Like his son or his grandson. He probably has a lot of bastards floating around. <laughs> I think in the context of everything, especially after receiving the crown, being brought to you by a, 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 a knight that traveled very far who's in this kind of armor with the cloak billing behind him with hair down to his waist saying, <laughs> listen, I'm kneeling with the crown of your father and I swear myself to you, the one true queen. And there's enough people there to do the pageant around and there's something about just the crown and everyone committing to pretending to the pageant that just makes it feel all a little bit more special than us simply just all being in the same place together. Of course. The kids are a little bit less uh, bought into the majesty of it. Even when they were kneeling for their mom, you know, they're just like, yeah. And there's a lot of adults that are like that too, but out of respect, they do, except for Rainies. And uh, that's the vibe at Dragonstone. And like I said, it's got that mystical Ollie running uh, to uh, John's office feeling to it. And so I think that with the energy and with Damon describing his plan with the Riverlands so uh, sternly uh, and just seeming like all these things were in place and it also helps that there's people there that aren't in their family that are grown-ups too mm-hmm. that are talking that are able to speak plainly and that don't sound crazy they give off this whole uh it's like being in disneyland it's like we all agree to this happening and you have a crown on and there's she logos so good in her crown too so whenever the idea is brought up it's like this in every sci-fi movie, every adventure movie, there's something like this where there's adults and kids or there's a younger person that works for the army and they're like, do you, can you do this? And he just so happens to have this strange skill that, that fits the requirement. And in this case, it would be, I can fly faster than a raven. Mm-hmm. And so just with the, the hopefulness and the vibe in the moment, I think that's why she made that decision. And I don't think momentum. that she meant to ma- make a, a decision where she would actually send one of her kids or both of her kids in harm's way. I mean, that was just a total guess. And I, I don't know about the the aim. I never imagined Amon doing what he did on accident like that. Well, because it just adds to this conversation we've been having all season long, which is these moves that we read that felt purely bad, quote unquote bad, 
are actually not so black and white, which is what, like I said, we've been saying that all season long. And so Amond is doing Amond things and teasing this kid and flexing and trying to scare him and genuinely looking for trying to rile him up essentially that's a crazy way to rile someone up it was it's nuts but he's a nuts kind of character and so it's just another situation being taken way too far and not being able to show well restraint but both of them were doing their best to control their dragons you know, mm-hmm. both of them lost control of their dragons is essentially what happened. Head burn was so stupid. It was, But it was an accident, you know? Well, I mean, not an accident for his dragon. But no, yeah. but for Luke, it was an accident. And so, like I said, once again, we get this situation that's spiraling out of control. We both know what the outcome is. But every step of the way, you're hoping maybe he can fly fast enough away or maybe it's not going to play out like this or maybe he's going to duck between these rocks and he's going to be able to get home when he went into the the ravine it felt like that maybe we're going to change the story for a second like he gets away and uh i don't know it's gonna be written another way i don't know i I had the same i guess wishful thinking that we wouldn't have to see it play out but i think adding the nuance of just the way aemon's face fell basically saying yeah how am i going to tell my mom what i just did you just wrecked the car you wrecked the, the car worst. and you started a war. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing, we've been able to dance around the issue and no blood has been shed. No, I mean, I understand that Rainey's made a big statement, but... Oh, yeah, you're right. No, well, those are just small folk. <laughs> just small folk and no big deal. Nah. Nobody to care about. Nah. Um, no family blood has been shed yet. But here I am misstepping because I'm young, because I'm untested, because I don't have control over my legitimately terrifying dragon. I loved, once again, just the additional nuance that we get from how we expected it to be on page. I don't know about you, but when I read it, Aemond is evil. Aemond is so evil. Sure. He did that because he thought it was fun, you know? Uh Uh-huh. That's not how it played out. Well, it was fun for a little while until it got really serious. More, More hot D philosophy the storm happening dude it was so cool i just i just i really i really liked it i just i really liked it i just think it it the way that it was paced the way that it was shot i just uh i feel like we're finally getting closer and closer it was was some of the most uh harmonious polish of their of their goal you know like they really knew what they were making and it really just worked out Mm -hmm. and it was cool to see dragons battling each other like that yeah it was cool to see them taunting each other too i just really liked the difference in scale i think it, it's a great precursor to give us more of that uh, impression of uh really the, the scale of the conflict of potential conflicts between people who have dragons it's not just about having dragons it's not just about having valyrian steel it's not just about how many men you have all these different things when it comes to holding power in this time period on, on planetos uh has uh, realities attached to it. And arriving at a place to be a messenger has realities attached to Mm -hmm. it. And uh, you might be a prince, but you're also kind of a little kid. But conversely, that might be a little kid, but he's also a prince. And the tastefulness of uh, of his swooping in and arriving and going into the hall, uh, that's that's how Star Wars should look. 
That's how all that stuff should look. It was just, man, they nailed it. I can't wait to watch it again. I partic- particularly loved Luke flying into the rain. Mm-hmm. But I loved when they got through the storm clouds and it was bright outside. Mm-hmm. And that that was the place that it went down. And I, I loved uh, that it wasn't a big jet of fire. I loved Vagar's huge mouth snapping and biting and the, the violence of it. And I loved to see the body flapping and falling, wow. still mostly together. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a shark bite, probably, like a severe mortal wound immediately. And Arax's little tiny puff of fire, essentially, next oh, to Vagar. Graze, yeah. Also, the Vagar flying over them, just the that shadow. Was so awesome. The first shadow. One of the scariest things I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Yeah. There's those things on the internet where they show you the scale of like a video game map yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. show you one from 15 years later and it's so much bigger. It was like that. It was like we thought dragons were crazy mm-hmm. and then there's this. Or like whales, different sizes of oh, whales. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about how Vagar was this really cool, exciting, epic dragon this whole time. Mm-hmm. And when Aemond jumped on Vagar's back, it was like this really amazing scene and Vagar didn't seem that scary. It just seemed storied and big. But, man, they made Vagar look mean. Oh, like, yeah. I was genuinely afraid. Oh, yeah. And there's all these, oh, yeah. like, extra scales and ropes. And he just looks, or she, she just <laughs> looks, Aemon and she <laughs> just look, like, wild. And they look like they're in the ocean. I don't know. Like, I <laughs> Okay, <laughs> just, I think I know what you mean. There was just so much happening with the way that Vagar was moving that was just creepy. It's like when you get really old, you grow hair at a bunch uh-huh. of weird places. Yeah. yeah. Slimy almost. Sometimes maybe. Was it Rainier who said, but we haven't had these dragons go to war. Mm-hmm. So we don't know yeah. what war with dragons is like. Unbattled, she said. Yes. And seeing Vagar kind of brought that to life for me. It's like we might have 13 dragons, but mm-hmm. they have literally the scariest dragon yeah, I've ever seen in my life. Exactly. Is that how many dragons would it take to take down that dragon? Right. Great question. Or take down the rider of that dragon who was nuts. So. Well, maybe that maybe that's the key then. Just like uh, you know the the White Walker army. We mm-hmm. don't need to take down the whole army. Right, just the one guy. Just the guy who plays the guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> it was so well done. So I totally agree with you. I love what you said about Vagar though. That's so true. I mean, I I was always scared, I'll tell you that. Just the 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 scale. Animals that are that big, it's like, wait a second. The power in your left leg and how delicious it also looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On Driftmark. It, she's asleep. She's sleepy. Like, don't wake me up. I'm right. I, I feel. And honestly, that's the vibe that uh, GRM put across in Fire Blood too. You sort of feel that same thing. Just a sleepy amongst all the other dragons. Don't don't bug me. And uh, I think that was successfully conveyed, especially with the uh, having a young child tame you. You just have a little bit of, of a soft spot. You saw what Damon had to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what young Amon had to do. Mm-mm. It was very simple. And so it was like Vagar was doing him a favor. And so it would impart that personality that maybe I wouldn't be so ruthless. Vagar's down to do something we really haven't seen dragons do in this TV show universe yet, which is just act like a Jurassic Park dinosaur. And I know. You. Yeah. We haven't, re- we haven't really seen that. Mm-hmm. So, hell yeah. It was awesome. Hell yeah. It made me so excited for season two because we've been... You love when people die. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we've been building... There hasn't been a lot of action, per se. There's been a ton of political maneuvering and intrigue and moments that made me gasp. 
but we haven't seen a lot of fighting or action. And we've been so highly anticipating the dragons doing their thing. And now we finally get a taste of it and it's only going to escalate from here. And so we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks as we recap the season and look forward to what we might be able to think about for season two. But overall, I just really loved how they set the ground for fire and blood in this season and how we covered so much time so patiently without having to rely on a big moment like Storm's End until we got to the big moment at Storm's End. You know what I mean? We could have skipped so much farther ahead in the conflict to get to the drama or to get to the... Yeah, it's, it was just cuts. It was just flesh wounds yeah. before this. And, I mean, Viserys going to the throne kind of took place of a big violent moment. You know, and Otto didn't get kill- killed on the bridge in this episode. I wish he did. <laughs> I thought he was gonna. He looked really powerful, though, unfortunately. Really? With the sunset behind him, and he was so smug. Yeah. He was so... I've never <laughs> hated Otto. You smug to go there, dude. Never hated Otto During more all that. than this. Yeah, that was my... I actually, because this whole time we kind of been loving Otto a little bit. Because we're like, that guy's out there playing the game. He's (laughs) loving what's happening. He's throwing parties. He's hyping up our king. Sure. And he's making moves. He's playing the game. Mm -hmm. But him standing there, facing them, talking about the king and had the king's mercy as he's come to treat with them. I was like, Otto, we've been so patient with you this whole time. (laughs) And now it's time for you to go. <laughs> but he did look really cool with the sunset behind him. So. He did look cool. I just powerful. <laughs> I got to give him that. Cool, for sure. Rainier taking his hand pin and throwing it off. The yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm glad we got some, like, something, you know? Because he, he needed his head chopped off in that <laughs> moment. I also don't know how you felt about it, but I was like, okay, the Macer's going to give Allison excuse me, Rhaenyra, this little note from Allison that basically says, I love you forever. Please come back and let's be friends for life. But gives her this old callback piece of paper. And I'm just like, I don't know how you felt about that, but I'm just like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, you think that that callback is going to be enough to put a Band-Aid over the years and years and years of wounds you didn't even talk to me about any of this you just made these moves i'm not even there my dad just died and this is what you're gonna give me to me that would make me even more angry than some sort of pleading letter or something it was like throwing it in her face of i know we're good friends so i'm gonna take advantage of the situation there's certain kind of assholes that think that the thing that they're so confident about really matters to other people right and so she just believes that they got it all figured out, even though it was a lie, even though it was stolen. So delusional. Well, plus the whole realm doesn't like women being their leaders, too. So there's a little bit extra for their claim. Of course. Yeah. But I really want to talk about Corliss. I assumed we would just kind of get word of what he was up to, that he was getting better. But instead, we actually got his presence and his opinions and his whole... And he Deal. flipped on, well, I guess flipped, he and Rainey's basically flipped by the mid to end of this episode. He had his opinion, and we all sort of thought it was different based on what he said before, but mm-hmm. that was pre-Lanor really, well, and hearing about his thoughts about it. And uh, 
all of his time spent apart from his family and fighting the step zones. I would have been interested to hear more of that conversation because then by the time we see Corliss again, he's totally in on Rainier and he seemingly has come to Rainey's side on that. And maybe that was enough to flip that. But I really loved how he was like, we could just go home, stay out of the conflict, relax, hang out. But I think essentially what Rainey's was saying was war is probably going to happen. We can't just sit out the conflict. And she's the one who seems to have the most level head out of anybody. And so I just liked his whole... He's part of this older generation. I guess that's Damon's generation, too. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really they lump him together. into that. Yeah. Well, Damon was at that age where he was younger, but it's like, we're both old. Right. He still kind of had <laughs> a like, seat at the table. Corliss is pretty cool. You're not too old, man. Right. But Corliss kind of adds that almost fatherly figure that we are missing with Viserys gone. And so I kind of, his presence there, and as he walks mean. into the war council and he sees his granddaughters and standing next to so we're gonna do this yeah so okay so the ties are too deep still we can't just kind of turn our back on family so Rainey's is the the one that turned him though Mm -hmm. and so that's neat so she's not completely out of this and we uh, one of those questions that we had at the end of the episode of last week was okay so she warned Rainier but then what is she what's her actual role gonna be and it seems like their family is gonna play a pretty pivotal role she's like I'm gonna go monitor I'm going to go fly around the monitor of the step zones and kind of make sure everything's fine. Or not the step zones, but the the sea, the passage outside of the step zones, I guess. So it's basically all the same thing. But I was just really glad to have their wisdom and presence in this very intense situation outside of just Rainier and Damon's little pals. Rainies didn't just completely give over her allegiance without first feeling out the situation or talking to her husband or really trying to make a decision and not rashly jump into something. And I felt like that was a good thing for Rainera to see play out. Um, and was just... I it could all feel way less cartoonish. Too. Yeah, it feels really real. And, you know, when Rainies didn't kneel, when Rainera was crowned, it's like, it yeah, felt very you, intense. Yeah, we can we can let that one right. go. You saw me grow up. It is kind of weird, right? I'm, she's, yeah, exactly. So I just I felt like that extra addition of Corliss in the room and them declaring at the end of the episode after kind of seeing everything play out was much more powerful than a letter from Corliss saying yeah, we're in or just assuming that yeah, they'll be on your side. Exactly. Yeah, that would have made a, a a softer splash. I hope that people like that. That folks watching the show were like yes now we have this big naval force and the richest house in the realm and now we don't have to worry less about the lannisters or something it's a huge win it's this you know allison was making in last episode this plea because she knew Mm -hmm. how big of a force that that house has and so of course we got to feel a little victorious so we've got them on their side painted table that is my favorite for part getting of the whole crafty, episode. y'all, who made the show and showing us the the candles being lit, even as such a it, it had such a satisfying um, technique and lighting the candles alone. I mean, that that was only the beginning of the present that y'all ha- had inside. They were lighting the candles like one of those YouTube videos, watching people make stuff in bulk. He had this technique down. I've been doing it for ages, <laughs> sliding into the candle drawer. Orange beauty. I mean, I guess that was probably real. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about that prop yet, but 
I, I, would, I, would, I would like to know if they carved the wood up to a certain depth so the, the candle, so would, maybe they treated it so it would be able to, to withstand the heat of the candle mm-hmm. and not color the bottom surface of the potentially clear wood. But when you, I guess, carve it thinner there, you could shine stuff through that. I want something like that. It was so freaking cool. I was watching, I was like, well, I want one of those tables, but then I was thinking that would be weird. With real flames underneath. <laughs> I really liked how we got, awesome. at the beginning of the episode, we got Luke running his hand over the table, so we got to see what it looked like before it was lit up like that. It made it even yeah. more impactful. Yeah, that's cool. Because it was like, the ta- that table does that? Yeah. I loved yeah, that. Yeah, the answer is we do like stuff like that, people making TV shows. Mm-hmm. You can give us little things like that. It doesn't have to be... With- way highbrow you can set up a table and then sh- like set it up early in the episode and then show us like how it works and we'll be like ah we're so easy to please yeah for sure also that's the kind of merch we want we don't need a blanket that says the dragons did that we ah. need these painted tables after damon's quote i kind of <laughs> i kind of am more into that dreams didn't do that dragons did well it's so much more powerful coming from him in that contact context than when we were hearing it before we even saw the show. Because yeah. wasn't that line in the trailer? Yeah. And well, it was like, or at least on the pillow. Right. It was so we knew about the I think the it line. was in one of the trailers. I th- it must have been. But Damon freaking out about Rhaenyra quoting these dreams. And he makes such a good point of... And he makes the same point that Viserys was making to Rhaenyra that all along is that like... Well, actually, they're making opposite points. Yeah, they are. Yeah, <laughs> so, Viserys is saying, believe so in this. Yeah, so they're at odds. power is an illusion, and that the Targaryens being the masters of all this is an illusion. We're a master of all of it because we have the dragons. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. Kind of the same thing, but totally not. I guess in my brain, I was trying to make sense of the through line between that. But the through line is Rhaenyra believing in what her dad was trying to tell her. But I just felt like Damon reiterating the fact that they can't win this based on vibes alone, clearly, because that's that chance has already been lost because the vibes belong to the Greens because all of the people of King's Landing are bought Otto in. named it off. In all front the of everyone. He's like, this is the list. He says... We have the clothes. I'm wearing the official seal. I loved what he said. He said, every single or every symbol of legitimacy belongs to Aegon. Every symbol of legitimacy. Hell yeah. That was such a good diss. And that's what Rhaenyra is arguing with the dreams of, like, this idea of power and this idea of responsibility and this idea versus Damon being like, there is no ideas if we don't, if we're not on top, if we're not winning, if we don't have our force out there trying to make something happen. So I kind of forgot about that quote in that scene because I was so annoyed that his hands were around her her neck. (laughs) But So Viserys is peacetime... Listen, this magical tale is another way to build on top of all of this. And Damon's like, there's no time for that right now. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly a nice guy, Dad Damon, walking around being nice to his kids. Right. So it kind of took me out of it a little bit. I, if, if we had kept that level of intensity the whole time, then maybe it would have felt... That's true. ...more through. But he's been kind of a background nice guy. I mean, I guess he chopped off Bateman's head. Yeah. <laughs> so, you see, we're, confu- we're, confused. <laughs> we're confused. Everyone's confused on purpose. <laughs> Something else I was thinking about, and maybe this is to Damon's point, is you and me were watching this video about top 10 worst lines in Game of Thrones or something recently, or like 10 plot points that didn't make sense in Game of Thrones recently. And one of the big ones was when Tyrion basically says... 
Bran should be king because he has a good story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but what else? Because we can't rule the realm with vibes and stories alone. That's not enough to secure position or power is to tell everybody that you have a really good life story, which Brands is, you know, we could argue whether his story is good or not. Pretty interesting, Brands' story. <laughs> no, it, it is interesting, but you know what I mean? I was kind of also... like, wait, you can do what if you... You touched a tree, and then what happened to you? <laughs> I'm not really here, or whatever. So he where says. are you exactly? <laughs> but even if what you're saying is true, it's not like she was saying we should focus on this no. and not fight anyone. And this is enough. She was saying we should be nice because magic exists. Totally, and I'm taking it to the extreme, definitely, in my interpretation of what she said. And I think that. She does bear that responsibility that nobody else knows about. So she does need to think about it. But, um, you think it was about it was something else? Or that's really me. part of the reason why? You think it might have been Allison? No, I don't. I'm going to have to rewatch and really pay attention. But, um, it was, it was different. And the way that Damon reacted to it was different. That whole thing was pretty, like you said before, heavy handed. So I'm going to need to try to figure out what they were trying to do with it because the, now the the lone showrunner is the one who wrote this episode. Ryan right. Connell wrote this episode, so there's some specific stuff in there. It's got to be a, a point behind her bringing it up again, and it didn't flash to the dagger. Thank God. So wasn't she surprised that Damon didn't know about it? She made some comment that I totally missed. So we'll have to talk about it in our midweek yeah, episode. She was, yeah. She said he didn't tell you. Yeah, she was surprised. That, I think she felt like they were on the same page there. Yeah, like she was. She seems to be a lot more holy about it than it seems like she would be. So yeah. I think we're supposed to believe she is pretty holy about it. So that's either their fault in the execution or our fault in not really buying into it and just eating popcorn and watching the spectacle of it because I guess she's shown that that's how she feels and believes throughout the course of the show so we're all just going to have to just accept that which is fine and you know who knows how we'll feel like you said on the second rewatch but I do think that it's going to be interesting to see their dynamic play out between the two of them and what they do or don't believe about how they should move forward. We got a lot of heavy looks in this episode. I saw what I saw here was just a sort of a crack begin to form, Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, because I mean, that's a weird way to it's really important right now what we say to each other, because we just learned about my brother dying. My father dying, we're talking to each other, and she says something like that, and just maybe if she would have said it in a different way, um, he would have bought it better, but it's just they didn't work out. But the fact that they can have and it didn't work out is not a good sign, mm-hmm. that it could be it could go so south so quickly. I don't know whose fault it is or if it matters whose fault it is, but a little crack like that at the, the edge of a season finale right in the beginning when what looks to be a clash of two powers two forces going against each other you don't want that happening but again we saw a bunch of cracks on the side of the greens too so completely i felt like boris that's his name right Mm -hmm. um summed it up so well when he was basically like so the how the targaryens can't decide who's who Mm -hmm. like yeah this is the internal conflict that i don't need to be a part of it was such a good just a high level sweeping moment of Okay, like this is this is an internal conflict and y'all need to figure something out before you start spilling your drama into my house. And I think that's part of the reason why Rhaenyra's had this point of view of uh, being potentially as close to the word civil as 
they could be mm-hmm. while also getting what they want. And that's kind of wishfully what Allison's trying to do too as much as she can. And uh, now that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Now it's war. It is a family conflict. And it, it, it just so happens to involve access, like keys to the kingdom basically. Right. And so they kept that perspective at least they're from a, a, a different generation though a generation we saw them grow up from from when she was 14 and so yeah we're gonna do it differently and it's just a family conflict like boros baratheon said house of the dragon needs to get their house in order okay we won't pull a ton of troops and blow up cities into this until wait a second yeah you blood just is killed spilled. my kid you didn't, you didn't slice his eye open He's dead. Especially because Rainier is going to interpret that as it happened on purpose. Anybody can say anything. Of yeah. course. Your giant dragon bit him in half. For funsies. And his dragon. I mean, that's why I said if she would have seen it. I mean, yeah. God, the size of Vagar, the yeah. horror of it. I mean, they would just come down on King's Landing. It, it would be too much. It would be too much. The I mean, I guess they're used to the dragons, but it's very shocking to me. The whole thing is shocking. So keep making it shocking, y'all. Keep making it cool. Keep making it feel way more serious than it needs to because we don't have to have TV shows to survive. We don't have to have stories about dragons, witches, wizards, uh, kids, grown-ups, babies, <laughs> dragon babies. We don't need any of this stuff. But if you're going to do it, uh, you know, commit to it so hard that we like someone like Otto Hightower. I know. Okay. I can't believe we're at the end. I can't believe that that's episode 10. So let's do uh, our owns of... The final episode, and of course, we've got our midweek episode following this finale episode, and like Hannah said before, some more after the season Hot D podcasts, and why am I saying that part now? I'll say it after owns. What's your own? My first own goes to the table when the candles were lit underneath it. I just loved that. It felt like very intense. I thought it was really cool. Loved, loved, loved that. And then my second own is going to go to when the silhouette that we get of Vagar flying over Luke. I just thought that that was such an unbelievable shot. And I loved it for all the reasons we talked about. The scaling, the intensity, the mo- the build up to that moment. It was scary. And I thought it rolled. So, own to the silhouette. Cregan Stark being mentioned. Mm, shout out. And uh, really just to focus on River Run and what is forming in my mind a vision of season two feeling like traditional Game of Thrones bouncing around some familiar places, which after the slow burn of waiting for this and then after the promise that is now being made after this was so good, depicting that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm so excited. Put me in the right state of mind for all that for sure. And also to... Rhaenyra for in this episode literally being pregnant going through some kind of a birth a crazy one acted insanely and uh, still doing all of the business of dealing with what she feared happening finally happening that was just wild how they framed all that together it has the energy of Eric arriving at the funeral at the perfect time of the letter the messenger arriving uh, to Damon in, early in the season in the middle of the war council mm-hmm. all at the perfect time. It has the energy of that, but that's what happens in fantasy books. Mm-hmm. It, it has that energy, but it has all the crazy roars of a dragon are 
they're recorded really well. Mm-hmm. Or the screams of birth, we don't just cut away from it. You might see the little the dead little baby on the ground. I know a it's lot. hard. I know it's we tough. Saw it. We saw her pull it out. It's not pleasing, but dragons are scary. Sometimes they're big and they can bite really hard. But also fantasy is can be fun and should be fun. And so go ahead and let them show up at the right time if it makes the scene work better and it makes all of this important and magical. Because it should be. Because they're Targaryens, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're Closer to gods than are. men. As Rhaenyra reminds us. <laughs> ah, the exceptionalism. <laughs> so those are our owns. If you want to send in your own, your thoughts, your feelings, etc., you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter by searching for Game of Owns. Tweet at us all week. We're going to be asking questions later this week. We're going to be retweeting your owns, so keep them coming as we wrap up season one of House of the Dragon. Team Hannah. Thank you for joining me on these Sunday nights. Let's keep doing the podcast, shall we? Let's never stop. We'll be back really soon. Bye.